Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Adrenaline in my soul, Veer Mahan dedication show, do it all. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to ESSR Central here on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. I am Ross McLeod, and because because it's near, it's far, wherever <laughs> Mahan. <laughs> the debut of Veer Mahan has been announced, and because it's such a massive Massive announcement. I need two people on Central to talk to me about this. I need Scott McLeod and John Isherwood. Guys, how are you? I am uh-huh. all good. Thank you very much. I'm very excited for a, a date with Via. <laughs> what about you, Scott? <laughs> oh, I, I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm just going to keep appearing on Central until I get my, my go at the quiz because fucking Steve Austin and Cody Rhodes buggered up for my last time. <laughs> well, we um we do have a massive back catalogue. I, I say that as if it's regretful. We we have a massive back catalogue <laughs> of non non Veer Mahan related shows, <laughs> previews. It's all been a waste of time before now. Interviews and all the news, but don't waste your time with that non Veer Veer Mahan content over on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and Android. When you search Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, get us tweeted. Get us. Instagram, get us Facebook at Suplex Retweet and let us know what are you most looking forward to for Veer Mahan's debut. Now, guys, um, obviously I don't run this podcast and as much as Veer Mahan is is the story on everyone's lips with with a brain, um, Stephen Wilson has dictated that the top story this week must be the news. The confirmed news, it looks like, that Cody Rhodes is in fact signed for WWE. Now, Scott, I know this isn't quite Veer Mahan level news, but still a pretty big signing for WWE. Yeah, no, yeah you definitely need your, your good hands. You know, those guys that can make your big stars like Veer look good on their way to their multiple WrestleMania main events. But yeah, I'm pretty sure like the news with Cody, it's weird that he, like they confirmed it over the weekend. And so everyone's like, okay, Raw, Chicago. Chicago's been a big city for AEW. Surely now they'll debut him. And then you had the big tirade from Seth Rollins at the end of Raw. Fans chatting Cody. No Cody. It really feels like you know, they're waiting to the last minute when they've still got a lot of the stadium to fill. It really feels like they're going for a repeat of like the John Cena Undertaker story from a few years ago. Yeah, John, I was going to bring that up to you. The, the parallels have been mentioned, the John Cena Undertaker storyline. Um, we've had uh, Seth Rollins tried to take on Kevin Owens and fail. Took on AJ Styles, lost by DQ thanks to Edge's interference. Do you think they'll they'll have Cody debut on Raw and like like maybe maybe give it a week's build, or do you think it's going to be like a sort of Seth Rollins open challenge uh, WrestleMania and that's when he'll answer? Well, Seth has said that he's going to make sure that Raw doesn't go ahead unless he gets his spot on WrestleMania. So they've got to resolve that somehow, I guess. I mean, yeah, to to put him off again until WrestleMania, then he's going to say, well, all right, I'm here at Raw and Raw's not going ahead. So is WrestleMania going to go ahead? I'm, I'm pretty sure that's been a threat in the past from some talent, at least. I do have a feeling that 
Whereas he's not going to debut because they'll want to save the pop. I've got a feeling that there may be some definitive hint that is going to happen, or at least some form of appearance, but not in person. Because I think they'll want to save that. They're either going to save that pop for WrestleMania or the Raw after WrestleMania. Doing it the week before, it gives it that little bit of build, but I think it's safe to say that we're all quite excited for this match that it looks like it's 100% going to happen now. And, you know, with them all chanting Cody, 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 you know, if they don't deliver, it's much like the CM Punk thing with AEW. Yeah. If they didn't deliver CM Punk, then that's the biggest letdown in, in the world. And if they don't deliver Cody, then it's going to be a huge, huge letdown. So I'm thinking there's going to be another angle on Raw. And, you know, Seth will try and disrupt the show all the way through. And then right at the end, we'll get to see what goes down at WrestleMania. And then you'll have that weak build of that anticipation. But you, I don't think we're going to see Rhodes until that day. Um, Scott, there is obviously uh, WrestleMania night one. We've got KO show with Steve Austin. We've got the uh, both women's title matches from Raw and SmackDown. Uh, some marquee matches on there. Um does it risk the? Does it run the risk of Cody Rhodes getting lost in the shuffle if you throw everything at WrestleMania, or does it run the risk of why didn't they save this for Mania if they do it on the Raw before? What What are your thoughts on that? I think you you do need to at least have him make him some sort of appearance on the Raw before to at least get confirmation that he is gonna gonna be there because as big as as much as Cody does have his own fan base, it's not like The Undertaker with the Cena thing that we mentioned a minute ago where they let Taker they let that mystery until he actually showed up on the day because uh, some people will still buy WrestleMania or Cody WrestleMania on the idea that they might see The Undertaker, whereas I don't think Cody has that strong appeal. So I think officially confirming this as a match, I think this would be a WrestleMania-worthy match given you know the buzz around Cody coming in and Seth's track record at WrestleMania. I think as long as you put it on somewhere in the middle, uh, and eat on either night, and don't have it like following anything too like major, so the crowd are burnt out, then it should get you know the form of certain sense that it deserves. And I think saving Cody really not saying much, we just come out and be like challenging Rollins by just looking at the sign towards the end of the go home Raw and then having the match at Mania. I think it also does save his like first actual promo back in front of the live crowd to the Raw After Mania, which will probably have quite a few AEW fans in attendance. It's a tricky one because now it's like, you know, I think people are at the point where if it's not going to be two or three weeks before WrestleMania, you might as well wait to WrestleMania, but then you have run the risk of WrestleMania and it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a lost in the shuffle moment because obviously everything's going on with Austin and title unification and the two women's uh, title matches are you know quite big on the card and then if you don't do it at Wrestlemania but you do it the Raw after it's like, like the people at Wrestlemania might be a bit peeved, like they came to Wrestlemania and they didn't get the Cody but you know Monday Night Raw the next night did. So it's a, it's a weird one. I'll be happy to see him on any of those shows, to be honest with you. But I'd, I'd, I'd like 
Cody Rhodes to appear at the end of Raw on the, uh, this coming Monday and just when Seth Rollins going, I will be on wrestling, but like have the have the watermark and everything come up and then his music hits. I, whatever music it is, I'll be happy either way. Or oh, did they spill it over to SmackDown? Oh, that, well, there you go. Because um, SmackDown is... Well, they're doing the double header for SmackDown, aren't they? Yeah, um, the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame. So there will be a, a hot crowd there. So you never know. You never, ever, ever know. Because if Seth goes off on one at the end of the show and he's like, well, you know, you've given me nothing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that you know, your programming doesn't go ahead. I'm going to come to SmackDown and I'm going to interfere here as well. I'm going to make sure SmackDown doesn't go ahead. Then maybe there's that. But again, that's kind of like just planting so many seeds along the way. It's, I mean, it's an exciting thing because everyone's very, very excited by the fact that Cody is going to be part of this and, and, you know, where he's going to go and what he's going to do. And, and to be able to see him. But I think, you know, his first appearance will be at WrestleMania. Without a doubt, I, I I can't see it being anywhere else. There might be something on video, but in person, like, it's going to be wa- a mania. Sorry, Joe. I think if you're going to save him, like first on camera appearance to be a mania, I think you still need to give us some indication the match is going to go ahead rather than just seven sets show up. I think if oh, you yeah. have a segment like backstage where Adam Pierce has redeveloped, gives him a contract and says, "Look, we've found somebody to be your opponent," and you just he just looks at it, you don't see the name on the card, but he just smiles, and that gives you the end, you're like, oh, is it going to be Cody? Is it going to be somebody else? Yeah, <laughs> just, just something to just kind of like tease it and, and not be so blatant. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe it is the key to keep doing that, because again, that, that keeps the fans intrigued, doesn't it? It keeps them watching, you know, that they'll, they'll, there'll be a lot of moaning that Cody wasn't on the show, but then they'll tune in the, the Friday and, and then back on the Saturday and and yeah. yeah, there's two hours worth of build up for WrestleMania each day. Yeah, there's a two hour pre show each day, so they've got plenty of time to yeah to talk about all this. You know, the only thing I could see is you know, in the past few years, the WrestleMania access and stuff like that. WWE have lost out on that money. Mm-hmm. If if they have Cody Rhodes debut on Raw. And then all of a sudden announce on the Tuesday evening. By the way, access Thursday, Friday and Saturday morning. Cody Rhodes, get your tickets now. It's funny you say that, actually, because they've announced one panel where there's a premium guest and they're charging an extra $100 for it. There you go. There you go. There is that possibility. I think it is something, something, Cody Rhodes. (laughs) I think... um, I'm looking forward to either way. I think, I've said this before, it it comes from an Eric Bischoff uh, interview where he was talking about um, AEW and they wanted to bring in new viewers and the the people they were bringing in, the likes of Adam Coles and the Daniel Bryans, the people that like them are already watching. Yeah. Whereas Cody Rhodes went to AEW and took a lot of laps fans on his journey through the independence, through Ring of Honor, through New Japan, through AEW, he might actually bring more people in to WWE than the likes of Brian and Adam Cole brought into AEW. And before people that roll their eyes, I'm not saying Cody's better in ring than you guys, or he's better than this. I'm just saying that a lot of Laps fans may come back, whereas AEW does seem like a, a wrestler show 
like a, a wrestling fanatic show and the people they like are already there, if you get me. Right. I think there is an element of some AEW fans who maybe don't watch as much WWE because obviously there, there is AEW might tune into WWE with Cody coming back, maybe just to see if he actually does get booked properly this time. And that, you know, I'm sure there have been a lot of jokes about people saying that, oh, when the first chance he'll be back in that Stardust suit or whatever, or, you know, they're just using him to tempt other people. But, you know, I think Cody, you know, I don't think him going back is just about the money. He has to be offered something from Vince that he wasn't getting in AEW. And so I think there'll be some AEW fans, you know, interested to see, because he's the first person to properly go over the other side from AEW back over to WWE. So I think it'll just be like the curiosity of like how they handle this. It's a major move. There's absolutely no doubt about that. And it's a, it is technically a blow to AEW. I mean, this is one of the founders of AEW going back to the company that he left. And, you know, in, in the way that he left them, it, it is a major, major thing. And he's, I mean, he has always said that he wanted to be WWE champion. He's always said that. But I think he's... He's gone away. He's gone away, and he's made himself a bigger star. And there's something which one of my old bosses said to me. You know, sometimes you've got to go away to come back. And I think this is exactly what Cody's done. He's gone away. He's made himself, and now he's back. No, no, absolutely, absolutely. I agree with that. But let's get to the main story of the week. The the, the real the what, real. Real, yes. Veer Mahan is coming to... Did you know he was... Sorry, I'm just... I didn't know this. Do you know the, the John Han film, The Million Dollar Arm? Mm-hmm. Do you know that was about Veer Mahan? <laughs> I should, you know... Uh, uh, I, so I'm just looking at his Wikipedia page... Um, uh, Singh was signed to the Pittsburgh Pirates organization after he won a pitching contest on a 2008 reality show called The Million Dollar Arm. He was the first Indian to play professional baseball and then spent several seasons in the minor leagues reaching single A level. He's the subject of a movie, Million Dollar Arm. I would, oh my God, I would love an updated version of that. Now, when at the end, when it's like true story films, it's that. Such and such went on to do this. I'd love it if they just edited the. The million dollar arm to just say Veer Mahan is coming to Raw. <laughs> it shouldn't be real, but it is. <laughs> like the million dollar arm, that is an actual TV show. This is this is wild. You know that needs to be his finisher now. He needs to just do some like wind up punch called the million dollar arm as his new finisher. Oh my word, this is this is amazing. But yeah, I mean Veer, this this is epic. <laughs> Veer Mahan is ending his massive journey. He, he must have walked from India to get to Raw, for Christ's sake. Um, October 25th was when those vignettes first began. Oh, I, obviously, somebody, whoever was like in charge of like uh, break scheduling people, clearly scheduled Veer too early to come to Raw because... I've actually watched back some of these vignettes, and the first three or four weeks, it's the exact same vignette played each week, and and it's not until like a month and a bit into his he's coming to Rod that they add new vignettes with him 
like voicing over it. So clearly mm-hmm. they scheduled him too early and just thought, like, if we if we suddenly see he's not coming to Raw, people are going to speculate something's wrong. So let's just keep saying he's coming to Raw. We didn't say when. We never specified when. Let's just keep saying he's going to he's coming. Uh, and he keeps showing up on main events, so he knows how to get there. But he's not figured out. Quite. He's been on main event, having having five star classics with T Bar as well. But honestly, they've been saying he's coming so long. Jesus, he must be well blue at this point. I want him just to turn up on his first his first match. He walks down the aisle and he just sits on the steps and just basically goes, "Look, I'm knackered, lads. I've I've been doing this for ages. I, I just can't handle it. Can you give me five minutes?" Yeah, I would love him just to turn up and just do absolutely nothing. It smacks of the whole Emelina thing from years ago when they they were they were going to reintroduce Emma and that never happened. And yeah, finally we're actually going to get to see Veer Mahan and, and what he can what he can actually do. I mean, when he was part of that tag team as well uh, in NXT uh, in the show with uh, uh, with Malcolm Malcolm Bivens, of course, as their manager and. Uh, it, it it was pretty cool. I thought he was gonna, yeah, he, they were gonna go on and do something really good, but it it never really happened. Uh, and and obviously now things have changed there. But Via, he's he's back, and 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 we're all very excited. Who's he gonna? Is he gonna like take on Cody? I don't know. Who cares? Who cares? Via's here. He's taking on Apollo Cruz, Cedric Alexander, Akira Tozawa, John Morrison, T Bar. And Shelton Benjamin on main event. He's won them all. Um, He's not defeated. Veer, yeah. He had John Morrison's last match in WWE. Wow. He sent him packing. He sent him scared. He was running up back up to Triple (laughs) Yeah, get back to the Indies, lad. (laughs) But yeah, Veer Mahan, April 5th, the night after WrestleMania. I have an early favourite for the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, and his name is Veer Mahan. I think if you do that, Veer Mahan wins the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. I think you put the rocket on him because I think the fans, because the fans are in on this joke. Like no one's turning around and saying, "Oh, Veer Mahan's a a five star match classic." Veer Mahan, we're we're so looking forward to him wrestling. What we're saying is, Veer Mahan. The joke has been that long that if you have him debut at WrestleMania. People will lose their minds. It will be so funny, and then instantly on Raw, you have a you have a jumping off point. I know. I think also if he does at Mania or the Raw, I mean, you're going to have the most hardcore crowd, the ones that have been making the memes about him coming to Raw. To make the fact he was on Raw with Jinder and Shanky, so he knows how to get there. But at some point, he forgot. Uh, so you know, we have people giving him the biggest reaction, which means W probably will try the Rogan because they'll think he's over. Like, remember last year when they thought Tamina was over, so they gave her the women's tag title? No, the one time that they actually listened to fan response. It's going to be so interesting when he turns up. I can't, I can't wait to see it. Because, like like I said, that reaction is going to be wild, the, the, the Raw after Mania. And then next week, it's just going to be, okay. <laughs> oh, you know what's going to happen? Like, the, the, the battle royale is going to start. Omos is going to come out. Uh, in the battle royal, he's going to stand in the middle like, how can anyone possibly eliminate <laughs> who can possibly eliminate Omos? Only one man. Via oh, I've not even thought. Omos is open challenge. WWE hopes Lashley will be fit for this open challenge. What if he's not fit? Have Veer Mahan debut and end the Omos undefeated streak? Can you imagine? That would just oh. be epic. Yes. Well, I'm like Andre. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, if anyone can, veer my hand. <laughs> Oh, yeah, well, we move on because I think people can tell we're taking the piss here. Anyway. Veer, veer, he's my hand. <laughs> oh, no, we mentioned WWE hoping Lashley will be cleared for a Mania match with Omos. Uh, Omos did a uh, hint at this in his promo. He said, anyone that steps up to me, be it Raw or WrestleMania, you will be dominated. This begs the question, guys. Why hasn't Seth Rollins taken uh, Omos up in his open challenge if he's so desperate to get on WrestleMania? He ain't daft. Come on. <laughs> I, I, I put this in our draft chat, and I'm going to read it to you, the listeners, just now. Triple H, sorry, Seth Rollins has mania victories over Sheamus, Randy Orton, Big Show, Billy Gunn, Road Dog Kane, Brock Lesnar twice. Roman Reigns, Triple H, Miz, and Finn Balor. Clearly, at WrestleMania, Seth Rollins becomes Superman. Okay, so he, I think. So on you go. You know, I mean, just to be fair, he, to beat Brock Lesnar, he had to kick him in the balls about three times, and even even then, almost as that tall, I don't even think Seth can jump that high to kick him in the balls. <laughs> I think it would be like that scene in Wild Wild West, that big metallic guy, and he kicks him in the balls like he was. Donk, you've got to be kidding. <laughs> or Colossus in uh, Deadpool. Oh, your poor wife. <laughs> I mean, is, one aspect of the Seth story that people haven't really addressed is how sad it will be if he isn't on Mania because it's two nights now, so it's easier than, than ever to get on WrestleMania. Uh, people like Omos, Tamina, uh, well, if Natalia can get on the show, and Seth Rollins can't. If Pat McAvee and Johnny Knoxville and Logan Paul can get on the show, and Seth Rollins can't, then Seth <laughs> should probably just retire. I mean, I, we know he's getting on eventually, but let's talk about... Um, we'll, we'll move on from... Uh, sorry, in fact, let's, let's stick on this Lashley one. Would Lashley against Omos, two big meaty men slapping meat, would that be something that interests you guys? Oh, yes. <laughs> I think it'll be a big turning point for Lashley again. And it, it'll be a good pop that he'll get. He'll come out well. And I think maybe that'll just kind of like turn him properly face, I guess. Uh, but it's where he goes after that. And and again, where almost goes after that, because like you've almost sort of reached the end of the line with that. And you've got to repackage him again, because after he's been defeated, what do you do? With with almost you, there's there's nowhere to really go, is there? So yeah, there's there's a lot to consider with that. But I think you know Lashley and almost would be be fun to watch, and and to see you know Lashley probably take the giant down would be would be a big thing to see. Yeah, because he um, he's the first man obviously to break the master lock. Yeah, It'd be cool if he was like the guy in the almost like undefeated streak. But obviously, as you said, it's where almost goes after it. I think WWE has a, a tendency for see when like big guys lose their first match, they have them on TV. Like as soon as Rusev lost to Cena, he lost two more times to John Cena. Yeah, and the, the mystique was gone. The best thing you could have done was have Rusev disappear for a while and then return at SummerSlam to take on John Cena. Yeah, I think it's yeah. When you've got a situation like that where you've got a you know an undefeated giant and you know an undefeated superstar, and then eventually they get beaten, 
you've got to take them out of the game for a little bit because if they come back and keep getting beaten, then it shows that they're weak. So you've got to take them away for a bit and repackage and reassess and, and start again. And I think that kind of just lends to you know what, what a person would do naturally. You know, after coming off a, a big you know sort of loss like that, you repackage and reassess. So why wouldn't he disappear? Yeah. It's obvious no, where, sorry, Nico Scott. It's obvious where uh, it's obvious where almost goes that once he gets his first loss, and that's but into the back, back to catering so that Veer can be the most dominant man on Raw. Because <laughs> nobody's going to be more dominant than him. I brought Can't it you back just go back to Raw Underground? And I'd say that door wait for Shane McMahon to come back, not realising he's been fired. Yeah. <laughs> He'll be here any day now. Uh, so, <laughs> as we get on to that, Taz recently uh, began his old man shouting at Cloud um, City. <laughs> his old man yells at Cloud, I should say, sorry, lifestyle, when he slated uh, the recent Kevin Owens Stone Cold Steve Austin segment. Kevin Owens came out dressed like Stone Cold Steve Austin. The fans didn't really buy the first one. It was the second one that every fan bit. And then Owens laughed because he had obviously got the fans. Taz said this was similar to when Don Callis came out to Kenny Omega's theme music during the AEW Revolution Bayern show. Uh, fans were quick to point out this parody segment's been done countless times. We're thinking Shawn Michaels in Montreal, Paul Heyman in Chicago with the CM Punk one. Uh, leading to Taz's note that he expects more from WWE's 76,000 writers. Uh, he said, and Chris Candido came out dressed like me to my music. That was probably the mid-90s. Obviously, it's nothing new, but it was done recently. I would expect more uh, from the company with 76,000 writers. A fan then commented, Vince McMahon lives rent-free th- rent in the former ECW champion's uh, head. Taz then said, oh, please get the fuck out of here, dude. I'm trying to have some fun with fans on here. Clearly, this has been one of those ones, John, where... He's put something serious out there, and when people have said, no, you're wrong, he's made it out as if he was joking, as if he was trolling. As th- that one when your mate that can't take a joke sends you the photo of uh, like a fishing hook, like, oh, you've bet, you've bet. Taz has eventually just been an arsehole here. It's, it, it didn't go the way he probably wanted, did it? Yeah, you know, I mean, th- this is, as, as was said, it's a a thing that's been done since the dawn of, of time. I, I kind of get what he's he's getting out of there, going, oh, you know, you've got so many people in creative, you know, come up with something unique. Did it work? Yes. Does it matter? No. So, like, it, there's, there's no point whinging at something like that, you know, when it doesn't make any difference at all. You know, I mean... Th- Casual fans aren't bothered. That wasn't even the first thought that popped in my head when I watched that segment. I really enjoyed that segment. Kevin Owens was great. And like I said, that second drop of music just worked so, so well. The fans went nuts. And then, yeah, obviously when KO revealed that, it, yeah, it was just a, it was just a big joke. Yeah, it was great. It was so good. There's nothing to complain about. And I think saying that comes off a little bit petty. You know, just kind of going, oh, well, you're just copying us. No, they weren't. 
you know, I'll, but you know, fair play for defending your company and getting a getting a hit in there. Yeah, I guess I guess th- there's going to be talents that will do that. Yeah, I think even then, like these two segments, I know like this has been done before, but even these two versions of the segments can't even be compared because, like, one of them came, was part of a buy-in show and like it was clearly to keep Ken Omega's name in people's minds for when he eventually came back, but. Even then, we have not even heard any mention of Don Callis or Kenny Omega on EW TV really since. So clearly, Omega's not coming back anytime soon. And this was meant to be like a parody of of Stone Cold trying you know, rail Austin up and get you more interested in his uh, his segment with Kevin Owens for WrestleMania. So like, even then, you can't even compare the two. Even though like the Owens one is clearly miles better than the one on AEW because you know he comes out with the bucket. Yeah, he does the. As Ross mentioned, that like like Shawn Michaels with Bret Hart's music, where he played the music, made people think Austin was coming out, and then revealed he got their hopes up a little bit. And then the bit where the timekeepers try to throw in the beers and they can't catch them to the point because just just get in here and hand me the beer, and then he, I think he hits a stunner on him. So yeah, they're completely different segments. But Taz is just one of these people who it's not the first time he's took he's complaining about something WWE have done because. Uh, he clearly just wants to keep his name out there or get us talking about him like we are now. Uh, but as Ross said, he's clearly, after a while, when people are rightfully calling him out on it, he's realised, like, oh, fuck, I was joking anyway. I don't even care anymore. Yeah, I don't want to be your friend anyway, so it doesn't matter. That's kind of what it comes off like. Yeah. Um, do you know Do you know why I, like, just the segment itself, do you know why I loved it so much? I hate, I hate it with a passion. See these people that, video themselves so you'll see their reactions yeah. when wrestlers come back and they're so put on and they're so over the top and it's like you wouldn't you wouldn't react like that normal like if we caught you like like I don't scream when people come back. I kinda go <gasps> and kinda look about the room like oh my god is it is that really them? But like I don't like go oh my god yes and you've seen all these people doing that and then you just seen the faces fall when they realised it was Kevin Owens. And the fact that he did it to them twice, I thought, well done. Well done. This will teach you your lesson to record everything for social media. This is my old man yelling at Cloud moment. But we've had <laughs> Taz, old man yelling at Cloud. We've had Ross McLeod yelling at Cloud. <laughs> Let's have another old man yelling at Cloud. This time complaining about WWE's roster. The Undertaker. Undertaker complaining that um, WWE's roster doesn't have enough grit these days. What the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> Who knows? We've got, we've got Edge on the roster. I mean, for the year, that's all he talked about was bloody grit. This exactly. guy said once in the podcast, I've never heard grit talked about so much before Edge came back. <laughs> they were the grit couple, of course, weren't they? Yes. <laughs> I think he basically means there's not enough men going out there Drinking forty-seven beers a night, filling themselves up with uh, muscle relaxers and painkillers, stabbing themselves in the arse with steroids, and then dying at forty-two, like like we did in my day. Essentially, is what Undertaker's thing was. Listen, see if WWE superstars want to sit in the back and read comic books and play video games or chat and have a you know do a podcast and live long enough to meet their grandchildren. I really can't fault them for that. You know what I mean? I, I really... Um, Brian uh, Pillman Jr. has been quite uh, vocal on this subject about the 
growing up without a dad because you know wrestling wrestling took so much from them you know and how like modern day wrestling is better for the wrestlers themselves so listen if it means some kid not growing up without his dad I really don't give a fuck if the Undertaker thinks yeah they don't have enough grit <laughs> I think the the thing is a lot of yeah, a lot of people from that old school mentality just haven't kind of moved on from what it was like in the locker room with the boys back in the day and everyone's ribbing each other and doing what they're doing and having fun and doing it doing it that way. Like you said, you know, drinking lots and, and whatnot. But the modern day athlete and the modern day professional has changed. And it's, it's the same with, you know, football as well. You can take it into that. I mean, you know, you compare you know, uh, any player from the 80s and you look at, at them and compare them to Cristiano Ronaldo and, you know, the way that Ronaldo looks after himself, his sports science side, his diet, you know, everything that he does that goes into his body that has to be bang on. And when you when you are an athlete at your prime, you want to be looking after yourself in the best way possible. So going out every night, getting on it, isn't going to work. And, you know, living like that and, and like you said, you know, the, the, the sort of old school mentality of the, the you know, sort of that hard living on the road as it is in the ring, it doesn't, it doesn't fly anymore. Things have changed. These guys are, are way more savvy now with their diet, their lifestyle, what they want to do away from the ring as well. You know, it's, it's not 24-7 like it was then. You know, even though it was a twenty four seven tile, it's not twenty four seven anymore. It's it's a different business because they've all got their outside interests, and you know, you only have to look at someone like Xavier Woods. Yeah, you know, for what he does, presenting on G four and and doing everything else with up up down down, and you know, you look at the other guys in AEW who've got their own interests as well, and 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 the Twitch streams are Gargano and Cole, and 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 you look at Paige doing so well on there. These guys have got other ways of doing stuff and and you know wrestling yeah it's the big thing but it's not the same anymore and it doesn't have to be the same anymore and again like you said it, it's it's once again old man yelling at clouds and i love the undertaker to bits i you know without a doubt one of my favorite superstars and one of the greatest characters of all time but he clearly just hasn't moved on with the mentality of the business into what it is now and like yeah exactly. i mean Sorry, Scott. I'm reading back over the quote there because it's a bit a long like quote here, and like he start, he starts out by saying like how the level of grip missing. He said, and I don't believe that. I don't know if that's anybody's fault. Before going on to later, basically imply that it's the current guy's fault because <laughs> he talks about how their motivations change and like because the, of the convicts and, and shit like that. But like he seems surprised that you know the business has changed from like 30 years ago and people aren't getting in bar fights anymore. Yeah, that's because, you know, that's when we get stories about people, you know, getting arrested, which isn't really a good image for pro wrestling anymore. And so Do we do we honestly think we're gonna see Gable Stevenson getting into a bar fight and getting arrested for like, you know, doing drugs somewhere? Not a chance. No, not a chance. And that's the thing, the guys like you know, Kurt Angle had his demons later in his career. And is thankfully came through the other side there. But, you know, you look at guys like Brock Lesnar and Kurt Angle, the legitimate athletes that could kick your ass if they wanted to. If they could go into any bar and go, let's have a fight. They didn't do shit like that. 
Yeah, I think. So there you go. The issue with this Undertaker thing is I remember of how for years we were all one here in interviews with the Undertaker and like get to hear like a peek behind the curtain and have him drop the character. And in recent years, I think we've quick, slowly but surely started to regret that. And uh, we've all wanted to be in the Hall of Fame eventually. And now, a few weeks before he's going in the Hall of Fame, he drops these comments where uh, I'm assuming this is why they, I'm assuming they'll be happy to. Uh, they'll be happy to pre-record the Hall of Fame because I'm sure there'll be some fans if they are attending the Hall of Fame who will have some some things to shout at Undertaker for these comments. I think Undertaker's Hall of Fame speech is going to be like that. Um, see the retirement party in The Simpsons where the guy gets <laughs> up and goes, please don't make me retire. I never married and my dog is dead. I think that's going to be like Undertaker. But um, John, you mentioned football and like throughout you guys talking, I've came up with Three different analogies because you talked about the lifestyle and who 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 embodied the lifestyle of the party footballer celebrity more than George Best. Yeah, 100%. and people idolise that about oh, well, and he was still amazing. He played for Manchester United, right? He played for Manchester United up until 1974. He played football till 1984. He played for 18 clubs in 10 years and couldn't keep fit. It's not about, oh, well, he was still good. Yeah, but in the long run, it was damaging. Roy Keane spoke about how he likes the modern footballer. He, he, he talked about how he's seen an interview with Phil Foden. Um, and Phil Foden talks about, I've got a chef, I've got a personal chef. I, I put my meals in, he delivers them to me fresh. And he went, do you not think that's someone being big-headed? He goes, no, it's someone looking after their career. He goes, I had a, he mentions a game where he had a kebab three hours before an FA Cup game and was like, I got away with that. And then later in his career, he was like, I really didn't get away with that. Like, and you, you mentioned The Undertaker, you mentioned him being one of your favourite wrestlers. He's one of my favourite wrestlers of all time, but I, I draw a parallel with up in, up in Scotland and me and other Rangers fans tend to talk about this all the time. Barry Ferguson is one of Rangers' yeah. all-time great captains. And Barry Ferguson is a hero to many people growing up, but there's not anyone I would rather hear about the current Rangers side, their opinion on the current Rangers side less than than Barry Ferguson. And that's kind of how I feel about The Undertaker. I love The Undertaker. He's one of my favourite wrestlers. He was an idol growing up, but hearing his current thoughts, not just on wrestling, he's got some strong opinions elsewhere, which we won't get into. I just don't want to hear him talk. I, I'd like it if he went back into gimmick mode and didn't speak to anyone. Like you look at uh, like what the Undertaker's saying there, and and I love watching those broken school sessions on the network with um, with Steve Austin, and his commentary of matches and his understanding of it is still sharp now. And I mean, it's hilarious, you know, when he's commentating. I was like, look at that. Irish whip, bang, snug, like it. Good close line. <laughs> you know, it's, it's very funny. But he, he gets it and he's, you know, he, he knows what puts together a good match. And he also, he, again, you look at him now, he, he, despite the guy drinking quite heavily as he does <laughs> by the looks of it, he's still in a hell of a good shape because once again, he's probably looked after himself quite well. And like I said, you, you look at, at people like that. Uh, and the the Phil Foden thing was a great example there, and good uh, good point out by Roy Keane. These guys have to look after themselves now because you know the modern athlete it's so different. You can't go and chain smoke, you know, forty six and and down ten points, and then go and play a top level game of football the day after. Yeah, you just I can't do that. 
I fully, I, I think about the Attitude Era and I actually think about football. If you put anyone from the 1980s into modern football or modern wrestling, they, they wouldn't last. They, they just, they wouldn't last. There's some maybe gimmicks from the 1980s wrestling that were maybe ahead of their time. But the wrestlers and the athletes themselves and how they looked after themselves. And this, this goes for most sports because you hear stories about like baseball, people like Wade Boggs, you know, they did two episodes of Always Sunny on it where he apparently had a flight uh, to going in an away game in America. He drank 47 beers and then hit, I can't remember what it was. I think it was like a 97% or something like that uh, batting average that day. And you're like, that wouldn't happen now. The, the game's moved on. Athletes are more... Like, there's a reason athletes train seven days a week now and not just, well, they train in the morning, then they go down the pub. Yep, sport has changed so, so much. I mean, you know, it, even from my wrestling training, I'll tell you what, there was not a chance that I would go out the night before, get tanked, and then go in and do that training. Not a chance. So, I mean, the fact that, you know... These guys seem to go out and and enjoy themselves way too much around events. You just, like I said, you just wouldn't do it now. There'd be the the guys from the eighties who would manage to survive now are going to be few and far between, without a doubt. So something I as well just want to point out: this whole um, this isn't shit on you're an old man. You don't know what you mean. Oh, hundred percent. I'm sure Undertaker has opinions of people like, yeah, that's, that's quite, you know, control your narrative recently when they released the rules. We thought these are a bit stupid, but number five, we were like, actually, that'd be quite good. No, it was like no top rope suicidas, no no Canadian destroyers, no super kicks, moves that have been, become overused. And those moves have been overused and like Undertaker's had comments about things like the DDT being used not as a finisher. William Regal's a big proponent of that as well. Yep. Um, and it's not a shit on everyone from the past sort of thing, but all you have to do is look at um, look at WrestleCon if, if you ever get the chance to go and the lineup, and you see the posters and it's guys in their prime and they look amazing and they've got the jack muscles and the slick back hair. And then you get there and it's this broken down old guy and he's lived the lifestyle so he's not saved any money. He's had no outside interest so he's not got any money from elsewhere. He's got no other transferable skills. Ric Flair is the perfect example there. Richard Flair doesn't exist. Ric Flair exists now and he's a broken down old pensioner. You know what I mean? Like So to say that people don't have grit and they don't live the lifestyle and that, you know, Oh, they sit backstage and watch comic book films. Yeah, well, comic book films are fucking everywhere. There's one every month. Of course they do. You know what I mean? One and next week. Yeah, yes, exactly. There is, yeah. <laughs> and it's just ridiculous as well, though, to say that these guys are... Because I think these guys train harder. These guys are doing it steroid-free. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I just think his comments are very ignorant and very, very back-in-my-day sort of thing. And... If you've listened to the the William Regal Talk is Jericho interview recently, which is mm. absolutely amazing, mm -hmm. um, Regal breaks down crying four times and he talks about how he's done everything for the business and how it's affected his health and how there's been a gradual decline in his health uh, since he stopped wrestling because wrestling was keeping him together and as soon as he stopped, 
instantly all the health problems hit me once. So, yeah, as I said at the beginning, if we have less British Bulldogs and Brian Pillmans and, you know, the, the, uh, Rick Roods and the like dying before, you know, their mid-40s, then I'm more than happy, and if we avoid more situation, avoid less situations like the Chris Benoit scandal, then I'm more than happy if Xavier Woods wants to sit backstage and play Mario Kart. Yeah, because like especially we talk about people sitting around, you know, chatting to each other, playing video games, and that like the atmosphere that's described seems a lot more friendly than how you hear it described in Undertaker's Day. Because a lot of guys getting hooked on like painkillers or things like that, or drinking too much, is partly because. They weren't properly healing from injuries because they were rushing back because they didn't want to lose their you know their spot. That's why, like uh, Brian Pillman getting in an accident before they signed with WWE. That's how he developed his issues because that spiral and things like that. So, you know, people are probably like taking time off and taking like care of themselves. Then yeah, you've got the, the ego issue as you as you said. But I know it, it does seem weird. Like take or like he's not as outdated some of his opinions as some other people we talk about and you know from back in the day but it's weird to hear him come out with comments like this so if Undertaker had his way every wrestler when he's done featuring his early 30s would look like Hans Molman in that episode of The Simpsons like <laughs> wrestling and drinking have ruined my life I'm 31 <laughs> years old <laughs> I think we've squeezed as much football references and Simpson quotes into one segment as we can we'll move on to WWE welcoming uh, from the past to the future, WWE welcomes our newest class of recruits to the WWE Performance Centre. Uh, 14 hopefuls, their names are, well, I'll tell you their names, but don't try to remember them because they'll change them next week. Uh, Teresa uh, Schulisser, uh, Kayla Inley, Joseph Skullthorpe, uh, Maddie Kingsley, uh, Caitlin Hampton, Michael Lavalle. Bianca Carelli, who's the daughter of former WWE superstar Santino Morella, uh, Cole McKinney, uh, David Austin, Gabe Way, Carla Gonzalez, formerly known as Roxy, the Ring of Honor Women's Champion. Uh, I am not even going to try. Namandi, Namandi, that's what I'm calling them. Namandi, oh, you came and were released without wrestling. Uh, Edwin Grandy and Amelia Hare. Um, obviously, Scott, the, the big standout there is the former Ring of Honor Women's Champion, Roxy, Carla Gonzalez. Um, she's been on Impact recently. Have you seen much more for her? And do you have high hopes for her? I've only briefly seen her. Like, I saw her at Final Battle and... She retained there than the match with Diona Perazzo. Uh, not much other than that. I believe she had a cross arm like version of the submission move called the Rock Clock or something like that, which uh, which I thought was funny. But yeah, it's weird that in the past when you had like a lot of engine names, you know, like all lined up in the great t shirts getting a photo taken with Triple H. In the past, if she was in a class, she'd probably be the least like indie name in a lot. But given how at least half of this group is from a completely non-wrestling background, she's actually the most high-profile, in a way, of all these guys, like her, and then probably uh, Santino's daughter, because of the also the name attached to it. So I think she's going to fit in well eventually in the women's division. I think there are a few people with some minor indie experience, but again, it's clear from this lineup they're not looking for you know the big indie names that everybody recognises that all appear in the front row of a, of a takeover, but 
my, my main, my only real hope for Santino's daughter is that in a few years when she's on the main roster, there's a WrestleMania Women's Battle Royal, and she dedicates the victory to her aunt Santina Marella. <laughs> yeah, it's weird as you said there, Scott. She was she didn't stand out in the last class photo she was in, but now the way NXT 2.0 is going, she is now the most experienced one, and. Santina Morella's sorry, Santino Morella's daughter. <laughs> um, it won't be long if if uh, if Santino still ke- uh, keeps appearing under his real name on Impact. It won't be long before she loses her second name. <laughs> oh, just gonna mention when he was on Impact. I don't think I've ever actually heard Santino's real voice. I know he's from Canada. I've only ever heard him speaking his you know put on Italian accent. Like half the time when he wasn't on camera, I'm like, who's that third voice on ca- on commentary? <laughs> that is a weird one. Is there is there any have you seen much of Roxy John or have you got many hopes for her going forward? Uh again, pretty much like you guys, I've not seen loads. I've seen little bits of her again against Diona. Um and yeah, what I've seen, I was fairly impressed. I know Booker T's well and truly sold on her, but obviously uh, was uh, was part of her training uh, from uh, Reality of Wrestling. Uh, I know she's got an incredible reputation. Uh, I've not seen enough of her to kind of like make a massively sound judgment. But what I've seen, I've been quite excited by, and uh, I think they're fairly excited by her signing. So, so uh, this was one that Booker T kind of went, "Oh yeah, it's done," and then went, "No, actually, it's not." But now it is. So, uh, you know, there was maybe a little sort of to and fro with what was going on with uh, with Ring of Honor. But, yeah, I think she could be quite exciting. And, and again, you know, the other names that you mentioned there, um, you know, Santino's daughter, obviously, Bianca, got a lot of MMA background. Um, Mitchell Lavely, uh, who, who had the great indie name of Mother Lover Jake Tucker, which I think is fantastic. <laughs> um, trained by Natalia, Tyson Kidd, Dr. Tom Pritchard, uh, worked with Kane as well. So... Yeah, I love him. I hope him well. Yeah, it could be quite a hybrid style. He's also got the Tyson kid old hairdo as well, which is is amazing. Let's move on from um, one former Ring of Honor champion to a current Ring of Honor champion, Jonathan Gresham. Not only Ring of Honor world champion now, he's also the Progress world champion now. Uh, John, you got to obviously sit down recently uh, with uh, Gresham and have the have the interview with them uh, which is available on our back catalogue it's not Veer Mahan related but please go listen to it Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet iTunes Anchor Spotify and Android um, did he did he let on that you know that the relationship with Progress or his relationship with Progress was going to be more than a one night thing or were you surprised anyone to see him come away with the title well, speaking to the guys who who run Progress on the night, they were very keen to keep uh, Gresham around, and they wanted to do a lot more with him, and they wanted to work more with him. And they did, you know, they did say that he was very open to that. He also said he was very open to it because he was just looking forward to the future about what was, you know, going on in this changing landscape. I tried to get a bit more out of him about what was going on with Ring of Honor. He didn't really know. Um, maybe he he had an inclination that something was going to go down. I I certainly didn't see it go down the way it, it, it did. But um, yeah, working with Progress was was really interesting. And obviously, you know, there was a lot kind of going off, and there's so much happening with Progress right now. Um, as we're recording, they've got a, an event on tonight. They're right in the middle of a sort of four event run at the moment. 
Um, and, you know, Kara and Ilya Dragunov had that face-off, and it looked like that was going to be a title-for-title title thing, but then this match got announced. Um, and I, the, I kind of, like, guessed that Gresham was going to win because I didn't see Kara taking the ROH title. So I just figured that there was either going to be some kind of like Swiss ending or or he was going to do it. But it looks like Gresham is going to be sticking around progress for a little while and becoming a bit of a uh, a belt collector. But I mean, that's great because I'll tell you what, the reaction for Gresham when I was in Manchester was huge. Absolutely huge. And uh, he was very over. His match was great. Um, I've not had the chance to see any of the, the match with Kara yet. But um, I hear it's I hear it's real good. So looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, I'm really excited that he's he's won the title as well. Like I've been a big fan of Johnny Grayson, everything he's doing right now is Ring World Champion. I agree with you, John. It didn't seem like Carl was really going to come out of this on top, given that you know a week or so from now we've got the the big match, the main event of Super Card of Honor between Gresham and Bandito, the whole undisputed ROH champion. So it wouldn't make much sense to insert. Kara Noir and there is the Ring of Honor champion. And I think it's it's good to see like progress potentially making these relationships with like companies over in America, you know. So it's like it's nice when companies in the UK work with other companies, you know, from overseas, you know, where Pro has had enjoyed a, a strong relationship with New Japan for many years at this point. It's gonna be interesting though what happens when these progress shows like because they're still going on the network, but in the past, whenever Gresham's appeared, it's not been featured on the network. And it's the same when Anthea Gogo's made appearances. But so I guess what's going to happen now with Progress appearing on the uh, on the network is they can't exactly cut the main events now going forward with Gresham as the world champion. Cause like the, and I know you said we'd, we'd, we'd drain everything we can, but there's a Simpsons meme for everything. It's a different segment. But it's basically be W going, good night, Progress. There will be no one go. I mean, as far as I'm aware from uh, from conversations that uh, I uh, I was uh, around and involved in, that the the matches like that that involve Ring of Honor titles uh, will not appear on the WWE Network. They are going to be on Progress on Demand, obviously, but they're not on WWE Network. So it's a case of how they uh, manage their events going forward now and having you know those matches. On there, I think they do make a point of it not being on the network, but it'd be very interesting to see if they try to strike a deal elsewhere. I mean, as far as I'm aware, that they're they're quite that they're still quite happy with what's going on with WWE. So I don't know, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how they manage that. Yeah, it's interesting because it's good for progress that they've got the title on somebody like Grayson because he's quite a bit in the spotlight right now with Terminus and. Yeah. Being a part of Ring of Honor and also the relationship with AEW means that he can potentially appear with both the Ring of Honor and Progress title in AEW. And the companies quite like Progress now, so we've been in rebuilding phases. Having one of those companies having their top belt appear, whatever Jonathan Gresham goes, is a really good way of getting eyes back on, back on their product. And maybe they can have him come out with just the Progress belt. And if he's not, if he's there just as Progress champion, not the Ring of Honor champion, then maybe he'll be featured on the the network, but I do like the, the belt collector idea, and if I'm not mistaken, first American to hold the Ring of Honor, no, no, the first American to hold the Progress Championship, and his wife, Jordan Grace, was the first American to hold the women's title at one point. Very true. Well, 
Well, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out going forward. Obviously, back and forth between both uh, both companies, between obviously WWE and now AEW, because the same guy that owns them owns Ring of Honor now. But um, speaking of AEW, Joey Janela is apparently done with AEW. We saw this um, news story a few weeks ago where um, where there was news that a lot of AEW contracts were coming up, but Tony Khan didn't want to release people because he didn't want to look bad like when WWE Mass releases people. Um, Joey Janela, obviously a big indie name back in 2017-2018, but further back than that as well, you know, runs in progress, Joey Janela's spring break, um, was always a WrestleMania weekend favourite amongst indie fans. Someone who was brought in and got a lot of noise about them, um, as soon as they came in, and then instantly it was he was just another guy. He never really hit the heights in AEW, did he? No. No. I think he got in some high profile matches like right in the first few months and it looked very promising for him. Like he had those matches with Omega and Moxley. He had that triple threat all out. And I think that when he got to like a year into the show with the pandemic and new people coming in, he kinda got stuck like on dark and wasn't able to progress really far above that. And I think that he was appearing more and more outside of when he's not been booked on AEW, more and more in back in GCW and that he's running uh, Spring Break again this uh, this year. I think it shows that he basically had one foot out the door and the stories he's told it basically seems like there's been some uh, some ghosting almost on AEW's part where they've not really been as forthcoming with him or they're just not replying to him. So it's like, well, it's like Tony can't be like, well, I haven't officially released you, but if I don't take your calls and your contract runs out, then it's technically not on me. Then, you know, technically I didn't fire you. But I don't think he'll really struggle because he's a, a big enough team in place like GCW. And I looked up some of the matches for Joe Janela's spring break this year, and Joe Janela's fighting X Pocket this year's show. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, this is one of those ones um, we talk, I think we talked about it, John. It was either you and me or. Uh, me and Chris that spoke about it uh, that not releasing people it's, it's a bit more like we saw the revival they couldn't get their release in WWE for eight years uh, Mr Brody Lee couldn't get his release for years um, and eventually did but if you're not going to use someone we, we've said this so often with WWE why not just release them it doesn't look bad you know you see we, we we reference football, but in every sport, at the end of each season, teams release fringe players that they can't get money for or that they don't have plans for. It's just one of those things that happens in sport and in business. It's like I, I think releasing seven guys you're not going to do anything with doesn't look as bad as going, hi, hey, I know it's a pandemic, but we're going to release 97 of you. Yeah, it it's it's a strange one, isn't it? I mean, uh, you know, Joey Janela for me hasn't, yeah, he's not really torn up any trees. And like you said, I think it, I, I, I get the whole don't want to look bad by releasing people. But like you say, you know, there is a time when maybe you've got to have a, a, a turnaround on your workforce and, and you know, that, that's it. From the fact. Yeah, and I think that's it there. And and Joey Janela, you know, he's not going to be a major star on Dynamite or on Rampage. And 
I'm sure that's frustrating for him when he can go off and do, you know, like you said, he's he's done a lot of the indie darling show kind of things. You know, he could do go off and do that again. He's still a name, you know, he's still got name value. So you've seen other people go off and make, the, you know, make hay while the sun shines. So I'm sure Joey's going to be in that same position as well. I don't think he'll be out of um, out, out of the business for too long, but. There's no point sticking around at a place when you're just going to be spinning the wheels. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. It's um, it's just part of life. Unfortunately, you eventually need to let some people go. Uh, obviously, it's the way you do it. That's why WWE get criticised. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's very cutthroat, isn't it, the way it all yeah. happens. And I think, yeah, obviously, yeah, Tony Khan doesn't want to get that reputation. And we are, I think, going to see a bit of a churn of talent when it comes to AEW because there's been so many big names coming through the door and you can even see some of those big names that have come through the door that are treading a bit of water right now because there's nothing for them. And yeah, yeah I'm, I'm thinking, I I'm thinking Ruby Soho immediately. And yeah, you know, I know, no, I know Miro signed another contract extension, but where's he at? No, yeah, I, I, there's a lot of people who are still just treading a bit of water right now and who, who probably you would think should be at the top of the card, but they ain't at the moment because there's a Keith <laughs> Lee on the scene. Adam Cole's there. Red Dragon have come in. You know, big talents like that, that you, you, you know, he was stupid. He would have been stupid to not sign them. So it's it, it's the way of the business, isn't it? It's It's difficult. Yeah, I, I agree. It's like like we said, it's how you do it. You do it with a bit of humility and say, "Look, guys, thanks for being part of the original class of AEW. We've moved on a bit. We don't, you know, we don't have a need for you at the minute. Thank you for all you've done. We look forward to working with you in the future. You know what I mean? Rather than just bye, see ya. <laughs> yeah, it's not that bad. Um, WWE 2K22 came out recently. I've not had a chance to play it. We've got a thing here on our news. I'm not to to uh, clued up on it it said there was a scrapped fiend storyline for 2k22 do you guys know anything about this i've yeah, just been playing uh, the game today but yeah if you know something more about it than i do go for it yeah so apparently it came out on reddit like somebody had been like mining through the game of these people who look through the game and find like hidden things obviously people have far more spare time than i do <laughs> uh, and that's saying something uh, so they were looking through obviously a lot of stuff there apparently been a few things that were scrapped that were maybe featured in this game and a lot of people who were maybe featured that aren't because of releases and everything but supposedly in the My Rise storyline uh, on 2K22 which by the way apparently 2K22 has been getting decent reviews so apparently it's been an improvement uh, oh, it is. It in is. the previous game it's good to hear especially given all that extra time they had and probably not an easy go of it that the people putting it together had but you had apparently there was a story with the fiend that was planned as part of the Mario thing where you you come into contact with the fiend and also it would involve Dana Brooke uh, at one point being possessed by the fiend basically doing their like subliscary but also being referred to as the sheened so basically the female version of the of the fiend uh, so I don't know why Alex is in the game by the way so I don't know why they didn't have or be apparently in the part of this Alexa would fight like Dana Brooke for the rights to be you know, part of the Fiend thing and basically how you'd be interacting with the Fiend or the Sheen depended on whether you're playing as a female character or a male character. But either way, if you're 
Apparently, you were going to be sent to the Firefly Funnage to confront the Fiend or get back Dana Brooke by Adam Pierce as part of the Married Eyes story. So, uh, yeah, it's a bit batshit, you know. I don't really like the, the focus on the realism in terms of the game's design, they brought back GM mode. But also, they, they were thinking, oh, why don't we put this weird supernatural thing where we send you to this, this psycho clown store, uh, house to go rescue a woman? Is the Fiend in 2K22, John? Uh, I have not come uh, across the Fiend, but while we're on, I shall just fire it up and I will check. I'm pretty sure he is. Um, but yeah, I'm not 100%. That, you see, when you were talking about um, about the different modes there, and uh, the My Rise mode is actually pretty decent. Um, and it's not like the old career mode where it's it's linear. Like you make You make choices. So you make a decision about which branch you want to kind of go down and that changes what happens in the game which is pretty cool uh the uh the my gm mode i think is a little bit a bit poor if i'm honest uh but it's uh it, it's it's not the best for that i mean you can't even have like the intercontinental or the u.s title you know it's it's you just have the top two titles while you're while you're doing it, it's a bit mm, a bit poor, really. But the game itself is is way better designed. You can tell I'm kind of filling for time as I'm trying to fire this game up right now and find out if the thing's actually on it. So talk about yourselves. Uh, but he did actually... It, it was um, Wyndham who referred to this on uh, on Twitter when he said that this, you know, it wasn't... Because some people thought it was going to be like an actual storyline uh, for, uh, for real life, if you will. But uh, he said no, it wasn't. It was actually just for just for the game. So I'm looking up here more of the story. Like it says here, there are also files and molds found for like versions of the puppets, a, a Firefly Funhouse yeah. arena, and evidence of an Elimination Chamber of Horrors match, which I'm sure would have been part of the the when you fight the fiend. I do like the idea of like Adam Pierce just randomly sending you on this quest to go and rescue somebody from the Firefly Funhouse, like like Lord Farquaad. Some of you may die, but it's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. <laughs> well, so far, I haven't found the fiend. Unless he's an unlockable character, but and I've got the full on the full version with pretty much everything, so yeah, I uh I haven't found him so far. I thought, I thought um Bray Wyatt did have the rights to the fiend, so that would be the only reason I would see why it wasn't in the game, because he wasn't in the game. But, yeah, I think um, it was a cut-off point usually when people take a feature in the game. Also, the game being pushed back, there are some people who may still who are with the company that are still in the game. But I'm pretty sure he was at least, at least like a good almost a year or nine months before the game was even out. So I think they had time to kind of take him out of the game. But there's still Timothy Thatcher and Tegan Knox in the game, oh. along with Tucker. And Tyler Breeze. Tucker, one, Tucker one's weird, but I think the Tegan and Thatcher one, were they not like November, December? So it makes sense why they're there, but I'm pretty sure Tucker, was he not one of like the Postmania 37 releases? I think so, yeah. There's there's a lot that aren't in it anymore, if you will. You know, there's there's a lot of, t- like Billy Kay and Peyton Royce are in it. I, th- I think it has came down to licensing. Uh, I'm just looking online here. Um, he's not in it apparently, so like, because a lot of people are like asking if he's an unlockable character, 
But no, he's not. So hence why the whole thing was pulled. It's because the main man himself's not in it. There we go. Um, we'll talk about. Um, so we we mentioned uh, Taz having a go at the KO segment um, where he dressed as Stone Cold Steve Austin. Obviously, that's to promote the KO show with Kevin Owens and Stone Cold Steve Austin. There's rumours that that's going to main event night one that. Not main event, but like close the show out, and there's been a lot of a lot of debate online whether it should or shouldn't be the main event. To me, the main event's the last match in the card, so anything that happens after is 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 not the main event. It's the end show segment, if you will. Um, a lot of people saying about. Oh, it should be the women in WrestleMania should never end on a you know a promo segment. If this promo segment is to set up the return of Stone Cold Steve Austin on night two of WrestleMania, I don't have a problem with it. And the reason I don't have a problem with it is because, and I'll I'll liken it to. Do you remember when Brock Lesnar did his amazing run in the Royal Rumble and just chucked yeah. man after man out of the ring? So we watched that before this year's Royal Rumble and Strack was, he's a big TNA fan. He was a wee bit upset. He went, Bobby Roode there, longest reigning Impact champ and he's been thrown out. And what I said to, what I said to Strack was, and this is no disrespect to TNA Impact or Bobby Roode, but there's been dozens and dozens of men and one woman who have held the TNA slash Impact Championship there's only ever going to be one Brock Lesnar. There are dozens of women and men who will be in the final match of WrestleMania, but there's only ever going to be one Stone Cold Steve Austin. And fans have waited since 2003 to see him back in the ring. So I don't have a problem with the possibility of the KO show closing night one, but I'd be interested in what you guys have to say. I think if it happens, I think... If it doesn't into a match, it doesn't happen on night two, it happens like there. So that WrestleMania tank does end on a match. And if that is the case, I mean that that might mean event makes me think it will turn into a match. And maybe Austin will get a quick win, but not as quick as the Rock Vier growing, but you know, a quick feel good win. All the casuals in there are happy. Austin does the beer bath to close out night one on a positive because if you carry over to night two, then you wonder where does it get put in the car? Because you no matter where it goes. It's probably going to drain the crowd's energy, and WWE aren't going to want that before the big title versus title match because they're hyping that up as the biggest WrestleMania main event of all time. So I think the part of the reason I know like people would say, "Oh, the women's main event," I do like the idea of like the two nights does mean that both Rumble winners can get a shot at main event in a night each. But I wouldn't want like Charlotte and Ronda or anybody to go out after Kyo and Austin if it if it turns into a match because the crowd won't be as invested, so let everyone else do their thing, let the crowd fall along, but the crowd will keep invested because they're waiting for the Austin bit later on, and so yeah, I think it's actually a smart decision, you know, don't tire the crowd out, and then they've got, like, good 24 hours to then get their energy back for night two. Yeah, John, um, Scott Reed of ICW tweeted, if you're wondering why Austin may main event night one, it's because uh, Triple H and Randy Orton had to go out and follow Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, and the crowd was absolutely dead. So 
I can see why why it happens, but also you run the risk of, as Scott says, night two, maybe people are like Austin and Austin only. Yeah, that's that could be a problem. I mean, yeah, placing Austin on this card is going to be hard, and obviously with it being in Texas, uh, it, it is what it is. I still don't think he's going to come back for a match, no matter what anybody's saying. Yeah, I, I don't think he'll want to risk it. In the end, he can take bumps. There's not, you know, the he, he could take a basic, you know, a couple of bumps. He'll be able to get knocked down, but I won't want to see him take a lot of KOs, pretty heavy offense, because his, you know, like I don't want to see Austin take a cannonball in the corner. Yeah, you know, I, I wanna, I wanna see the stunners. I want to see KO try for the stunner on Austin and miss it and, and not be able to get it. And that's the end of it. I, I just don't think it's going to be anything sort of major for for that, but it's a good feel-good moment for the end of night one. So, like you said, nothing's going to be able to follow Stone Cold Steve Austin on that night. And, you know, no matter what other matches you could think of putting on there as a main event, nothing's going to follow him. So, just put it at the end and send the crowd home happy into night two. Yeah, you learned from your mistakes. You had that Triple H or an example, but Triple H has also been guilty of it before, insisting that he and Jericho need to go on last. Yeah. Despite, you know, the hype around Rock and Hogan. And it's happened quite a few times in the past where a match has, like, drained the crowd, you know, energy by the time the main event comes around. And plus, also, it's happened to, you know, why I put them on night two, because it's happened to Roman and Brock before, because remember, they were at the end of that Madison Mania 34. So by the time they got to that match, nobody cared. Yeah. Very true. What are your thoughts, John, on Stone Cold actually coming back? Is it something you, like, obviously you grew up with Steve Austin. Is it something you're excited for or are you, would you rather it was just a segment and Austin does the big beer bath on him? Yeah, I don't want to see him come back for a run. Um... I don't think he'll want to do it. Really. No matter how much they try and persuade him. He'll want to look good in there. There's absolutely no doubt about that. But will he want to risk I mean, you know, he, he's got to think of everything. You know, his neck, his knees. He won't be able to keep up with the pace back on the road anymore. I don't think, you know, it, it, you know it, where does he go from KO? He's go straight to Rollins, Cody Rhodes... You know, the other talents he could work with who are in better condition and younger and whereas age isn't a factor as we've seen before, but still when you're a bit broken down, I don't want to see, I don't want the memory of the big, brilliant Steve Austin run tarnished by a crappy comeback. Yeah, I'd rather the segment have some fun, set up KO for something big down the line. And then, you know, ride off in the sunset and keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, with uh, with El Segundo and doing the Broken Skull sessions. I think he's in a great spot doing things like that. I, d- I don't want to see a big room. I really don't. Do you know what I'm annoyed at, by the way, just because you mentioned El, Seg- El Segundo? I try to buy and it would... Oh, it would cost pain. A bit. Mm. pain, man. I know where, I know where you're going. Well, you know I've tried to say... Yeah. So I thought Steve Austin's comeback 
I'm going to order four Steve Austin beers. It's £19 for a four-pack, $19, what? sorry. But I thought, you know what? It's WrestleMania. It's Austin's comeback. Let's splurge. Let's do it properly. They do not ship to the UK. This is Brexit Britain, people. This is, this is the working <laughs> man. This is the working man want to take a swig of beer. This is him suffering. What? What? <laughs> David Cameron and Boris Johnson coming through like a pair of jackasses. What? <laughs> it is a pain in the backside to try and get it over here. I, I know there's some places that say that you can get it and, and you can find it, but it's so difficult to get your hands on. The Rocks tequila, though, very easy. There are many places that do that. Oh, I might do that then. Why not? Yeah, I'll, 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 uh, I'll give you the link later. Thank you very Ross, much. Ross, Ross watching Austin coming back for his seven, drinking rock tequila, going, don't you like tequila, but I always knew the rock. I like rock was better than you. He ships to the UK. So I got tequila for the working man. What? What? <laughs> so, uh, well, obviously, we talked about <coughs> the possibility of Austin and KO ending one night, but starting both nights will be two a two-hour pre-show for both nights. Um, I don't really have an issue with this if there's going to be matches on the pre-show, guys. I just I don't need two hours of Booker T going, Shocky, Docky, quack, quack. <laughs> and then King telling the jokes that weren't funny in the Attitude Era and have got less funny over time. <laughs> so... Be- or or uh, John Bradshaw Layfield got this is history, Maggle. Why fat on Saturday night? <laughs> Texas. God bless Texas. And if that asshole Kevin Owens wants to discourage Texas, then I hope the rattlesnake opens a can of whoop ass. John, you played a New York character for the most successful period of your career. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking about it since well, like, it was announced that like, the potential of the, the two night, uh, the two night like sewer pre show for both nights. I don't mind it for a night two, but considering on night one you've got a uh, stand and deliver around like twelve p.m. Uh, U.S. time, that's like two and a half hours at least. And then apparently getting to the venue from wherever that is is a pain in the arse in Texas. So like you need to have some obviously pass the time while. People are filing into the, the building. But I don't know why for night one you need a two hour pre show. Can you not just add an extra hour to the, the network version of Stand and Deliver? She says people are filing out, it cuts back to the pre show panel. We've had a lot of fun here at Stand and Deliver, but now let's tell you all about WrestleMania. Give you all time to file out and get in your cars and make the long trip over to, to the stadium. Just, just turn the, the last hour of NXT Stand and Deliver into a pre show for night one, then do your two hours the next night because. I've already got too much wrestling over two days. Well, three days if you include the SmackDown and the Hall of Fame. True. I'm not watching SmackDown before Mania this year. I did it last year because they had the tag titles in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal on SmackDown. I'm not doing it this year. I can't. I just can't. <laughs> I mean, the promos for the main event were good because they were basically like mat, promo, match, promo, match, and then the final one tape, the triple threat. But even then, you could easily watch all three of those on separate YouTube clips. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, I'll watch the clips of SmackDown. I, like, me and Scott have got our day plan. I've got my weekend planned out. I'm going to see Morbius on a Saturday before Stand and Deliver and before um, WrestleMania Night 1. And then before Night 2, it's Rangers Celtic. 
So I will be watching that and I will either then go watch night two or I'll go in my bed in a half. Um, I've not decided yet. It depends on the result. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm breaking up my weekend because it was very much last year. It was very much wrestling and nothing but wrestling. And then you had your draw. Then you had a stand and deliver. Then you had stand and deliver night two. Then you had a break. And then you had, no, in fact, no, Tuesday was your one break day. That's what it was. But then you had stand and deliver Wednesday, Thursday. Then Friday night, SmackDown before Mania. Then Mania night one, then Mania night two. Then you're expected to watch the Raw after Mania. No, I'll be I'll be breaking down my wrestling content this year. If they announce matches for the pre-shows, I will tune in for those matches. But I will not be tuning in for two hours of shock it, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm really looking forward I'll, I'll to like that. <laughs> Sorry, John. As I say, I think I will. Uh, I will swerve two hours unless there's something very exciting on on those two hours. I'm quite looking forward to this. this. Is the first WrestleMania where I've actually been working, and after both nights of WrestleMania off, so I've got a day of recovery. Nice. There we go. Um, yeah. So nice holiday go- days, and most of them, most of them, I'm taking off are probably centered around wrestling. I don't work Mondays after the Royal Rumble you know I don't work the Monday after the Rumble we um, we'll get to the GOATS question one of the last GOATS questions thank God for that Um, and a wee wee moment and we'll we'll discuss um, we'll discuss the NXT standing lover card because next week's uh, Central will just be Wrestlemania it will just be Wrestlemania but we're, we're going to come on to something here. It's uh, AEW related. And we're going to have a wee bit of a rant about it. So All Elite Wrestling uh, tweeted out, as made official by AEW GM Tony Khan, a one-on-one battle between the two two of the best wrestlers on the planet. Number three ranked Jay Lethal, 7-1 AEW record, will take on number four ranked Adam Cole, 6-1 AEW record, tomorrow night live on Wednesday Night Dynamite. So at the time of recording, it's going to be tonight. Now... I don't mind. I feel main event superstars could have been better used by WWE. But why is Jay Lethal number three ranked? I hate how much the dark and dark elevation. They're nothing shows. They're they're velo- they're, they're not Sunday Night Heat. They're velocity shows. Okay, they are absolute nothing shows. I'm sorry, but see when Snitsky or Big Daddy V or Robbie from the Highlanders was going on a run beating local competitors on Sunday Night Heat. It wasn't, oh, by the way, well, he's doing that on Heat and John Cena's beat a few people on Raw. Let's have the two of them face each other. No, it doesn't work that way, okay? Jay Lethal's a great wrestler. He former Ring of Honor World Champion and, you know, I think he should be better used in AEW. But if he's on dark and he's on dark elevation, I'm sorry, but his wins mean nothing to me. You know, they, they built up this, the title versus the streak, uh, Scorpio Sky. He hadn't wrestled a singles match on Dynamite in over a year. And then all of a sudden he was number one contender for the secondary title. This is this is where people talk about um, WWE hitting you over the head with everything and 
you know, they over-explain everything to you. Oh, I missed Smackdown this week. But I got a, a full Smackdown roundup in three minutes on Raw. They took a three-minute segment and reviewed it. That's fine. But they don't do that in AEW. It's one big, massive universe. But it's four different shows. Like, oh, you need to watch your show and the other show on a Friday and the internet show and the other internet show for the guys that can't get on the internet show. Oh, and also being the elite, we do storylines on there. It's it's too much. You know, I, I, I said this before, that's and it, over two hours dark as usually at times. Dark elevations an hour. You've got aid, uh, Dynamite that's two hours and then you've got Rampage that's an hour. So there you go, there's six hours of TV plus the online quirky meta we like each other in real life but you know, pretend we don't like each other on TV show. So there's six hours and then the meta show all to keep up with who is where. Whereas in Raw, SmackDown, NXT, yes, I know there's more hours there. But if you watch three hours of Raw, but don't watch SmackDown, you don't miss out on SmackDown because SmackDown is its own thing. You watch NXT on its own, and that's two hours of TV a week. You watch NXT UK on its own, that's an hour of TV a week. You don't need to watch everything in WWE to keep up to date. Whereas AEW are putting too much onus on the likes of Dark and Dark Elevation. Dark was fun for about two weeks. But then as soon as they got ramped, in fact, since the pandemic hit, Dark just became, I just fucking throw them on that sort of show. And to me, it's just, it's annoying that we've got a guy like Jay Lethal and I'm not shitting on Jay Lethal, but why is he the third ranked superstar? I'm sorry, but wins and losses do matter. But also, so does the quality of the wins and losses. And if you if you don't believe me there, Natalia has more women's matches than any woman in WWE history. But we're not going to be doing network specials on Natalia anytime soon. Anyway, that's my rant. <laughs> Good rant. Thank you. <laughs> any any thoughts on the, the actual match itself or what I said in the rant? Honestly, it didn't really annoy me that much, to be honest with you. The Scorpio Sky thing, I get, like, it's easy to not lose a a singles match in over a year when you only have them and on the enhancement shows. I agree with you there, but, uh, yeah, it, it, I, 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 I do like getting to see Jay the one time when uh, when he's able to and when they have time for him, because I think so far the most high-profile thing he's done is that match with Ricky Starks at Battle of the Belts, and it was for an unsanctioned belt as well. But, you know, even then, I like seeing him being even mentioned as a contender because, like, they, they had a segment on Dart where they mentioned, referenced him being the face of Ring of Honor. So if they start booking him a bit more like he was in Ring of Honor in AEW, then I'm happy with that and I'm sure it'll be a good match. Yeah, it'll be a good match. There's no doubt about that. Um, I think the, yeah, the integration of all those shows for AEW is, is not done very well. Um, if they want to make it a thing, then, you know, like you say, you've got to recap it. You've got to make sure you reference the fact that, you know, at least show a clip of dark and then, you know, tell people how they can get to it and when they can watch it and where they can watch it. It's all right putting out match graphics on your Instagram and your Twitter, but that's not going to get everybody watching those shows. So, yeah, like you said, that's, that's been a criticism 
for some people of Raw recently where it's just been full of recaps. But at least they remind you of what's going on. So if you are a casual viewer and you're jumping in and out, you can catch yourself up. You know, it's it's just like watching the start of Neighbours or something, isn't it? You know, you, you find out what happens in the previous episode or two. So they need to be a bit cleverer doing things like that. If they want to keep this connected universe going and keeping it strong uh, and making everything relevant, you know, you've got to make sure that it stays relevant. So just, just refer back to it. Yeah, that that's all I'm asking. But as well, like if we're going to do dark and we're going to do like, do it properly because it's been a while since you've had a big star versus big star matchup sort of thing. It's, it's usually big star, indie guy, big star, enhancement talent, big star. Remember this guy? You, you know that's that's sort of all it's been for a while. And like I know people always go, "Oh, well, look at all of WWE's TV." Well, we're talking about Veer Mahan making his Raw debut. He's been on Super uh, sorry main event for ages. That doesn't crossover and don't get me wrong there's times where WWE do it badly like you know the Dolph Ziggler on Raw and NXT the face of NXT but losing on Raw that's done very very poorly you know that should be done better but then you could watch NXT and get a recap on what happened on Raw when Braun yeah. Breaker was against Bobby Roode on Raw you can get a you know they, before his match with LA Knight, they did a, a recap of a backstage segment they had that set all this up, you know what I mean? So if you didn't see it on WWE YouTube, you then saw it on WWE TV. And like to me, like the the old adage is, um, and it's, it's the old JR clip, this is how this one came about. And it, it, it would recap how we got there. And... I, ju- I just feel at times, AW, I-, I like how they don't bash you over the head with everything. One of my personal gripes is WWE's Royal Rumble, the rules of the Royal Rumble every year. It's used to fill three hours abroad, and no one will convince me otherwise. Um, <laughs> whereas, like, AW sometimes is like, <laughs> you're not following us. Clearly, you're not a true fan. And it's, it's almost like a slap in the face at times. No, I agree with that. But anyway, we'll move on. We'll because we're going to uh, next week's just going to be a WrestleMania two night preview. Uh, let's preview Stand and Deliver. Um, a lot of matches uh, on the card here. A massive, a massive show actually. Just looking here just now. Um, let's talk about first uh, Tommaso Ciampa, to- Tony D'Angelo, um, Tommaso Ciampa, the face of NXT. Uh, we talked, me and Chris, about possibly Champa and Braun Breaker going up and Dolph Ziggler staying where he is. But um, we've got Tommaso Champa. he's called the face of NXT. He's stuck around with the 2.0 crowd. Tony D'Angelo, he's not been... The, the big breakouts of the 2.0 have been the likes of um, Braun Breaker and uh, Carmelo Hayes and Grayson Waller. But Tony D'Angelo, he sort of bubbled under the surface. He's had a few, a few matches here and there, a few big profile matches, sort of with the likes of Pete Dunne 
the match with um, he was in the War Games match with Team 2.0 he says he can't become the face of NXT until he takes out the old face I like how I like how Champ has got this sort of recognition now like we're coming for you we're the young guys and Champ is sort of like bring it on I, I like this this is sort of if Champ is not in the title picture I'm comfortable with him in this role yeah, totally. I'm a big fan of uh, Tommaso Ciampa, and I think he's he, he's in the right place there. Whether he'll move to Raw, SmackDown after Stand and Deliver uh, is is sort of yet to be seen. He did say on the uh, episode last night that you know this might be his last stand in NXT. So you know that's obviously a hint that something could be happening there. But this this could be good. And obviously now you know these guys coming up on you know on NXT 2.0, they see him as the man to beat because that's how you make your name. So. He's in a very good spot there. Um, he obviously put over Bron Breaker eventually and still giving him the rub now by working with him. And, uh, you know, Tony D'Angelo is a great character. Seems to have got it in the ring as well. Like I said, he's not instantly broke out like the others you mentioned, but there's something there. And, and this should be a good match. Scott, you any thoughts on this one? I mentioned, uh, Ian Hockney mentioned some of the matches have been, there's also been some changes or some additions uh, between uh, the last show and this one. And I mentioned how, like, I don't get, there are some people I've gravitated towards in the new version of NXT, some people I'm just not on board with yet. And then there's Tony D'Angelo, someone who I don't have as much interest in watching matches of him, but just when I watch him in his segments, I just can't get enough of him. He's like one of those wrestlers, ironically, I just, I know he's a stereotype and he's a parody, you know, the the mob kind of character. I just love him. Do I want to see him beat Tommaso Ciampa? I'm not entirely sure, but I could see it happening because it seems like Ciampa might be going up to Monday Night Raw as well as uh, Braun Breaker. So I feel like, you know, I don't think Tony D'Angelo will become the face of, of NXT, but the fact that the last major match he won was back at War Games and he's pretty much lost to Pete Dunne and lost a few other matches since then. I think uh, if he's going to be a main feature of NXT that, and maybe a challenger for like the North American title, he does need to get a couple of big wins. And uh, Champa is pretty much a big win. I'm glad they've built it up as such. To me, if if he's going to stick around in NXT, I really don't want him to start becoming like the jobber to the future stars. Um, my example of this is see when people talk about. Um, Brock Lesnar, oh, and Brock Lesnar didn't put over this guy and didn't put over that guy. Yeah, but look how much better it looked when he lost to the likes of Drew and Seth Rollins, you know, in the main events of WrestleMania. And Goldberg's another one. Goldberg never used to lose a match, and now he's used by WWE to put over their next big star. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's, like, we talk about diminishing returns. I think if Tommaso Ciampa stays in NXT... He should only lose to someone if they are going to go on to win the title like six months later. Six months or less later. He should be like the final boss battle before the world champion. But I really do think he should be kept strong, be protected and only really wrestle and lose important matches. If you get what I mean. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so we've got a fatal five-way ladder match for the NXT North American Championship, Carmelo Hayes, Santos Escobar, Solo Sikoa, uh, Grayson Waller, and either 
Cameron Grimes, A-Kid, or Roderick Strong. Uh, so, one one final, would you call it? One final qualifying match to come. Um, always love a ladder match, WrestleMania weekend. Doesn't look like we're going to get an IC title match, WrestleMania weekend, although whereas there is two SmackDowns to go, so who knows. Um, Scott, Carmelo Hayes has been sort of the... He, he calls his title the A title, but he has sort of been the the understudy to Braun Breaker as like the breakout star. He won the breakout tournament uh, in the old NXT. NXT 2.0, he's came in with a new attitude, a new heavy. He's he's won the Cruiserweight title. He's, you know, uh, he's unified that with the NXT North American title. Is this going to be a showcase for Camelo Hayes or is this where Camelo Hayes loses it? But he can complain that he wasn't pinned or beaten for it. I think this is more showcase for him because as as strong as the town is in there, you know, you got your high flyers like your A kid, you got Santos Escobar who's not really got much opportunities to be in such a feature match since they lost the, the Cruiserweight title like a year or so ago. And you got new guy a new guy like Sosico and then whoever wins that triple threat will be a, a solid shout. Uh so you know, I think it'll be great, but I think this will be used to maybe set up the next challenger, like somebody from this match, kind of like how Bronson Reed won the Gauntlet Eliminator at and then lost to Joy Gargano, then got a rematch later on and beat him for it. Yeah, so either way, whether he wins or loses it, I think it'll be very soon after that he'll go up into the main title scene, but I think it'll be a case where he, with the help of like Trick Williams, uh, he like retains it, but then loses it shortly after somebody else before going after the NXT title. John, what have your thoughts been on uh, Carmelo Hayes so far? And if there was someone to come out of this match as a new North American champion, who would you like to see it be? I like Grimes a lot. Uh, not Grimes, sorry. I think Grimes is going to be the one who, who would go and, and win it, possibly. Um, I think he, he'll qualify next week. But I like uh, Carmelo Hayes a lot. Um, he's very, very good. Um Everything I've seen of him so far has been brilliant. I think. I also think as well, after watching him on Level Up, uh, Trick Williams is good. So the pair of those two, you know, uh, are, are definitely the future there. But yeah, if if Hayes isn't going to keep the title, um, I'd stick it on Grimes. Cause I think the the crowd are behind him. And push him to the moon. So much Sorry. money, it ain't even funny. <laughs> Uh, a fatal four-way uh, match for the NXT Women's Championship. The winners of the Women's Dusty Cup uh, Classic, Io Shirai and Kaylee Ray, using their title opportunity to insert themselves in the Mandy Rhodes Cora Jade feud. Um, Scott, you had some opinions about this earlier on about how it's not a good look for the the women's tag titles. Yeah, another speculation that one of the women's tag champs in a, a toxic attraction is potentially injured. I still think there's ways around it. Yeah, I think there's still ways around having the Tadil defence because uh, the direction were still featured on, all three of them all featured on NXT this week. I do think there's ways around it, like um, getting their title shot. But I do think it's a case of maybe they had second thoughts about for a Jade. You know, I think also they want to push her, but maybe they think it's a bit too early. So putting Kaylee Ray and Neil Shirai in here, uh, I think it's a good good. I think it's like, I'm not complaining about it. I like the idea of the East 4 going at it. Uh, not really entirely obvious to me who's actually going to walk out with the belt. 
But, you know, I still, maybe I was looking at it for a draft reason because Keely Ray being on my team, winning the a match for the NXT Women's title is a more of an easy, easy win. And then this is too unpredictable are going in the four-way. But, yeah, I think it's basically been done to create some unpredictability going into the, the women's title match because, you know, as good as Mandy Rose has been, it would feel like they've basically been set up for Cora Jade being like the hand-picked, like new baby face in, in NXT 2.0 in the women's division. Yeah, she she has looked like the sort of hand-picked person. She did get the the sort of four-on-one attack, the beatdown to get sympathy, and then managed to, I believe she pinned Mandy Rose, didn't she, in that, um, in that War Games match, John? Um, yes. Is this a long time coming, Mandy Rose, or is this? Do you think this is time for either Kaylee Ray to break out or Io Shirai to get the title, her title back? Hey, so this one's really hard to kind of choose. I love uh, Io Shirai. I think she's great. She's a brilliant champion. Kaylee Ray, I think, is fantastic. And you've got two very good hands in there who are going to be able to aid Cora and and make sure she can get through this match, which is probably going to be the biggest of her career so far. And then Mandy Rose is well experienced and a great figurehead right now with that title, you know, the whole toxic attraction thing. But again, if there is an injury involved, then maybe it is time for the downfall of, of toxic attraction uh, at WrestleMania weekend to stand and deliver. And I think it may just be that, tiny bit too early for Cora J. I think if you're going to give it Cora, she's got to win it on her own. So in a fatal four-way, when you've got other people who could then, you know, kind of go, well, you know, I knocked out whoever, and then you just, like, threw me out of the ring, ring and pinned them. Let her do it on her own. Let, you know, let her get her flowers. Let her get the big win. Uh, so maybe like the you know whoever's going to pick up a title might be a transitional one, or Mandy might just scrape away with it here. I'm really enjoying Mandy Rose on 2.0. I think uh, like the the face run with the Otis was fun, but it was never going to last. And she has a very good like apparently she's like one of the nicest people you'll ever meet in real life, but she's really good at making people hate her. Her and Ziggler just dropped a great promo on the uh, NXT Twitter account as well. The We Are NXT. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of multi-man matches on this show. Another one for the NXT Tag Team Championship, a triple threat tag match. Uh, Imperium versus the uh, Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic winners, the Creed Brothers versus MSK. Um, Speaking of uh, dropping great tweets, um, for those of you that haven't seen this week's NXT, uh, Hooded Figures uh, wrecked the Diamond Mines uh, camp and poured, like, I, I don't know if it was water or gasoline, they didn't set fire, so maybe it was water, um, but poured stuff all over the place uh, and T-Bar responded, I promise you this isn't a retribution reunion. <laughs> so, um, so I did quite like that, but um, MSK, I, I love seeing them still in the tag team picture. We've talked about how the uh, certain toxic influences in the former Full Sail loyal crowd uh, booing MSK for comments Nash Carter made, which weren't exactly controversial. If you've got a 13-year-old child, you shouldn't be taking a chokeslam. Um but MSK still in the tag title picture, even after uh, losing it. Imperium uh, getting the 
getting the the spotlight they deserve. Uh, Fabian Eichner is so good. Marcel Barthel is so amazing in ring. And obviously the Creed brothers have been really, really impressed with them. The Diamond Mine as a whole, it's been really, it's been quite a faction so far, guys. Yeah, they've been great. I think that the Diamond Mine have been brilliant, uh, aided by Bivens, who is just top notch. Uh, anything he does, he's brilliant. Uh, Ivy Nile's great. The Cree brothers have have looked fantastic. I I I don't know, but you, have you guys seen uh, NXT from last night? I've seen bits of it. Did you see their entrance? Uh, no. They did a split screen of them both getting in the ring with a big diamond in the center of it. It looked great. <laughs> it, it was just it was unique it was different like msk do their unique entrance this was theirs and it looked brilliant they put them over so well yesterday um i like the creep brothers a lot they're they're really really good and uh you know the the chances of them coming out of the this with the title is is probably it's probably got slimmer because of the hooded figures who are going to potentially announce themselves whoever they may be at stand and deliver and that will mean that Imperium will probably walk away with the titles, but yeah, big fan of of Diamond Mine and and those Kree brothers. They're really good. I mean, my my only gripe with this match is it's missing some grizzled young veterans. But you know, <laughs> I, I think the hooded figures are. But they were in the ring at the time because they were facing GYV, so that must have been a pre-tape. I think. Maybe, maybe Cody Rhodes and Veer Mahan, the team we never knew. <laughs> Oh. Whoever it was, though, were very technological because they could type a text and it appeared on the screen. There we are. But, I mean, Daniel Campbell is very good at that sort of thing and he's been very quiet uh, this past week in the ESSR chat. So, I mean, his silence is deafening. There you I go. Mean, uh, I just, uh, random point aside, if they were a team, they'd be called Nightmare Mahan. Uh, <laughs> I maintain something I said last week with Dave when we, we mentioned some of the matches for Sand Deliver. I think whoever is in these hoods has probably seen people who took out Creed Brothers, which sort of from originally getting their one on one match with Imperium before when after they won the Dusty Cup. And I think it's all going to come out at Sand Deliver. I think MSK revealed, surprise, it was us all along. Because conveniently, after the Creed Brothers got taken out and couldn't fight Imperium, who got a title shot that week on NXT? It was MSK. One of the only teams that hasn't probably been interrogated by Malcolm Bevins about this, so I think it's all coming out. You know, you know there have been some there are some people who don't like MSK, but I think they're going to go full on them as the heels, Creeds as the faces in the diamond mind, and the Creeds will eventually win the titles from MSK. Interesting. I wouldn't be against it. I think that could be quite a good, quite a good match. Who else is there in NXT that's still there? Like, who did, who did MSK win the tag titles from first time? Was it Imperium? I think uh, it was. No, no. no, no it was, they were vacant because I think it was Lorcan and Birch, but one of them was injured, so then that it was, was them, Grizzled Young Vets, and like, like Ariel Del Fantasma for the vacant belts, and then mm. they dropped them to... Did they drop them to Imperium? Yeah, they did, yeah. Yeah. And then yeah, the Shaman thing. Probably <laughs> um, so was maybe Jeff Hardy. Yeah, but this next match, let me talk to you about it. L A Knight going up against Gunther. By the way, watch this promo with L A Knight and Gunther mm-hmm. uh, earlier on on WWE's YouTube channel. 
ridiculous name aside, I really don't mind the the direction they're going with Gunther. He's still basically got all the same mannerisms, all the same qualities as like Walter had on the independent scene, where it's like the mat is sacred, the yeah. sport is sacred, don't take the piss, basically. Um, <coughs> sorry. I think they've basically just done it so they can own the name because they don't own the Walter name. I think he does. Oh, it's um, exactly the same as what they've done with Pete Dunne. It's the same thing. Yeah. LA Knight uh, pointing out that it's called sports entertainment. You got the first part down, but maybe if you look around here, you might find some charisma, which I thought was a great <laughs> line. Um, LA Knight is amazing. LA yeah. Knight versus Gunther, potential show stealer of the weekend. Mm. Yep. I'd say. Yeah, totally. It, it, this is one of the ones on the night that's not at all obvious who's going to win. This is a definite, you know, go either way kind of match because yeah, they're still booking Gunther Strong despite of the name change and the fan like reaction to the name change. But also, LA Knight recently had that feud with Grayson Waller. He had a match with Ziggler for the NXT title, which is why they had that problem because Gunther didn't like the idea of somebody like him who he didn't respect getting an NXT title shot. Honestly, it's never it's a match you never thought you'd see, which is why I'm glad it's happening. And as much as I love LA Knight, he's gonna get absolutely fucking battered. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna get chopped so hard it's not even gonna be funny. Well, you mentioned um the NXT title match that LA Knight got, so that leads us on to our final our final announced match. We won't if any other matches are announced, there's been matches rumoured. Uh Roddy Strong's been popping up in NXT, so Possibly NXT UK title match between Roddy Strong and Eli Dragunov. We never know. But um, Dolph Ziggler defending the NXT title against Braun Breaker in a rematch at Stand and Deliver. Guys, I'll just ask your opinion, yes or no. Does Dolph Ziggler get out of WrestleMania weekend as the champion? Yes. Yes. Do we think Braun Breaker is going to Raw? Yeah. Not sure. Oh. Well, sorry, let, let me rephrase that. Let, do we think he's going to Raw and or SmackDown? Yes. There we go. So you're a SmackDown. You're I, I just, I, you know, Raw's got that potential to be a little bit stacked after um, after Mania, especially if they're bringing Cody onto Raw. So, you know, take, that, that would take away, I think, a lot of uh, the sort of shine from Bron Breaker. So maybe throwing him on SmackDown. Uh, would be a little bit of a better, a better move. I mean, you talk about people going up from Raw, like being kind of rushed up to Raw and SmackDown recently from NXT. I'm surprised Solo Sokoa lasted as long as he has in NXT. I, I'd assume they'd fast track him and stand with the Usos and Roman at one point. Yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you? But um, let's talk about. Uh, the potential of Dolph Ziggler sticking around in NXT. I don't have a problem with Dolph Ziggler in big matches. I think he delivers. I think the the problem's been over the years that so often he hasn't won. So then you kind of get taken out of the match because you're like, it's just going to be our Dolph Ziggler lot. Um, but I think he's doing some great work just now. I'd love to see him in NXT full-time. Him and Bobby Roode getting the push yep. to deserve. Going forward... Who takes the title from Dolph Ziggler? Is there is there anyone that jumps out at you? Carmelo. 
<laughs> We've got to get Carmelo. What about you, uh, John? Yeah, um, yeah, Carmelo could be one. Um, I'm just trying to think. There's, there's probably not many other people massively built up to, um, you know, to be at that uh, at that top end to to face him for that title at the moment. So you know, you are gonna because I, I, I don't think, uh, you know, Grayson Waller's gonna last too long in NXT. He, he's probably gonna go. Uh, at some point, and then you know you, you're sort of looking at the likes of what? Well, how about uh, then again? It's heel versus heel, Gunther maybe. Um, there's there's nobody else, you know. Especially if you lose the likes of LA Knight, if he disappears, or do they go with Santos Escobar? But again, you you know you're looking at sort of heels versus heels. It's yeah. That where are the faces? They're not there. I'd like to put a little bit of a caveat man, so actually I'd like to change it to uh, who can take the NXT title off of a diggle? Literally anybody, as long as it's not Von Wagner. <laughs> <laughs> anybody um, but Von. Aye. Um, I've seen a few rumours online that maybe Dominic Mysterio is going to go to NXT after WrestleMania. Rumours of Rey Mysterio taking time off and Dom maybe going on his own. Uh, for a while in NXT, I'd like I I'd, I'd like Dominic Mysterio as NXT champion. I think he's uh, he, we've seen him great in the ring. He maybe might need help with his promos, but if you're going to learn on the job, then NXT is the place to do that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I was actually surprised they didn't like put him in NXT before recently because he had him and his dad to show up, and they had a, I think he had a tag match against Legado del Fantasma. So yeah. if like Ray goes away, you could send him to NXT. And continue the thing with uh, with like I don't like do a feud between Dominic and Santos. You know, like, the idea like he wants Dominic wants to like follow in his dad's legacy, but Santos said like I fucked hard my own path. I took my mask off and try and encourage Dominic to do the same. And maybe that later sets the seed for when Ray comes back, Dominic turning on him. Maybe that's good. Um, I mean, hey, if NXT is going to go down this route of occasionally having some some big name talent round about WrestleMania weekend to plug the title match, then a title versus career match of Bray Mysterio versus Dominic Mysterio, I wouldn't be against that. It's a shame that the idea of like if Dominic does go NXT, the fact that they've now finally scrapped the the cruiserweight title, considering he's the son of one of the greatest cruiserweight champions of all time. Yeah. Could maybe have him go after Carmelo Hayes, maybe saying he disrespected the title. So he wins the North American title, which has absorbed the lineage of the the 2016 Cruiserweight title. So maybe he can still say I'm a Cruiserweight champion. Who knows? But anyway, that is going to do it for us this week. I've read David Campbell's question and his days of uh, dictating what I read out my show are over. His (laughs) question this week... For the last ever GOATS question, he put, what match for WrestleMania are you most looking forward to? Well, we'll read those out next week, guys. So get on to the Eat Sleep Soup. Easy for me to say. Had a few beers, I do apologise. Eat (laughs) Sleep Suplex retweet. There we go. Community page. And answer, what WrestleMania match are you most looking forward to? We'll read it out next week when we're discussing 
<coughs> the two night WrestleMania card in its entirety. I'm, I'm functioning here, Jesus Christ. Just <laughs> man steel glasses for the working man before the yeah. show. What? Yes, sir, in your words. What? Just the thought of David Campbell, much like most Sizzlack, has me choking on my own rage here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I take a swig of beer to compose myself. What? <laughs> what? What? Sorry, David Campbell, we won't read your question. Come through as a jackass. What? We, <laughs> we will read out next week in its entirety uh, our predictions for WrestleMania night one and night two. We'll review the Raw before WrestleMania, possible Cody Rhodes sightings, our favourite Veer Mahan moments from main event. <laughs> why not? <laughs> and then obviously the week after, there is only one. Uh, we'll also have a wee look, sorry, I should say, at Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor, which is happening that weekend. Uh, the Hall of Fame, not a lot of people mentioned for the Hall of Fame so far. We've got Charmel, Vader and The Undertaker. So if any more names are announced, we will... We'll discuss that on here as well. And then the following week, it will be all things WrestleMania again. A WrestleMania review. I don't know who's going to be on with me. Anyone who wants to come on. I'm not doing the giant battle royal of a show. Why not? Why not? But thank you very much to John for joining us here uh, this evening. My pleasure, gentlemen. And Scott, thank you very much for joining us as well. Thank you very much. I want my quiz, but uh, (laughs) uh, we'll get that one day. But we'll get, we'll get something we'll get something to happen in Mania weekend. I was just going through some of the weird shows like Joey Janela. And Ziggy Dice is doing a show where a uh, Russian wrestler M- Masha Slamovich will fight a bear. That's what's been advertised. She's taking a, 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 a bear costume, isn't it? She's taking a step from uh, from Wild Pharaoh and semi pro. But thanks for listening to this. If you want to listen to more Veer Mahan uh, less content, then you can follow us on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Uh, that's iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and Android. Our recent uh, feature show is a look back on WrestleMania 22. Uh, and of course, if you want to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, that's at Suplex Retweet. Uh, before we go, gentlemen, a uh, John, you, you recently did an article for What Culture? Yes. Um, regarding Cody Rhodes, I believe? Yes. Yeah, it was about his legacy in AEW. Now it looks like he's off to uh, to be in WWE. So I counted down his 10 biggest moments in AEW. There we are. That's not too bad. And Scott, you've still got Scott and Paul's rambling podcast going on. Have you anything else? Uh, in terms of Scumble Van podcast, we uh, if you like your new generation content, we did a, a show where we looked at the, our picks for the top five most underrated matches from the new generation. Yeah, we both had our own separate lists. And also, uh, later this week, we were recording a review of In Your House, Buried Alive. Uh, but if you also can't get enough of the sound of my voice, and if you can't, then you need to have yourself checked it. But yeah, I do a show on Rogue Pains called Pod Ain't Easy, and we did an hour and a half. Uh, podcast this week looking at the Batman so if you're into that it's out there Great. There really. plenty, of, plenty of more places you can find our panellists and of course dear dear listeners you will see me once again next week my sultry tones coming in your ears cheerio bye <laughs> there now follows an enthusiastic advertisement for Quiz Showdown 
Hello guys, welcome to Quest Showdown. I'm Daniel Campbell and in this show you're going to see the members of the Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet team go through a very strange quiz. We don't know what the heck's going on with it, but you're going to have to watch to find out. Go check out on the YouTube channel now. That was an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown.